Located in the foothills of Wyoming's spectacular Wind River Range, Wyoming Catholic College, an accredited four-year Great Books institution, is built on the ancient Western tradition of the liberal arts and the freedom of the American West. The college offers its students an immersion in the primary sources of the classical tradition, the grandeur of the mountain wilderness, and the spiritual heritage of the Catholic Church. Students experience the illumination of imagination and intellect through the great books and traditional disciplines, literature and philosophy, mathematics and theology, science and Latin, and an outdoor program second to none. The college celebrated an in-person graduation with its seniors last year and welcomed its largest freshman class ever this year. Learn more about the college's unique space in the world of American higher education at wyomingcatholic.edu. We have with us today Michael Polyakov. He is the president of the American Council of Trustees and Alumni. He's a classicist as well, uh, with some academic experience, but now working in, uh, in an organization that, whose work I've used uh, before, ACTA, uh, as it's called. Uh, welcome, Michael. And first, why don't you just tell us quickly what ACTA does? ACTA, that is to say, the American Council of Trustees and Alumni. Um, I, I do like the acronym because it's a Latin word for things that are accomplished. And what we try to do is work with trustees, some 23,000 around the nation and college presidents, in order to further academic excellence, academic freedom, and accountability. And specifically, that means strong core curriculum, a absolute commitment to the free exchange of ideas, and pressing boards to keep tuition as low as possible while delivering the best possible education. Let me cite, uh, just for our listeners quickly, one project you do. It's called What Will They Learn? I've used your findings uh, often in the past. It is a review of general education requirements at colleges across the country. You actually do evaluations of schools, and needless to say, the evaluations are not always uh, pretty. Anyway, uh, that said, today we are talking about another project that acted. Did you have just come out with a poll uh, conducted just, just in the last few days or weeks, the results of which I have in my hand, and which says in the title, Citizens of Illinois do not favor politicizing K-12 education. So tell us about what prompted the poll and how you did it and, and uh, just the details about, about the methods. We were responding to a, an initiative which has now become a regulation in Illinois called Culturally Responsive Teaching and Leadership. And uh, readers of George Will will remember that he sounded the alarm about this some weeks ago, that this really is a, more than a stalking horse. It's the implementation of a training program that will be obligatory for teacher, teacher education programs and for the candidates to show that they have absorbed some principles that really have very little to do with pedagogy and everything to do with ideology. For example, uh, it reads in these regulations, the culturally responsive teacher and leader is aware of the effects of power and privilege and the need for social advocacy and social action to better empower diverse students and communities. Wonderful. If you go back to the earlier version that was tweaked, it was even more revealing that candidates for teacher licenses and 
colleges of education that want approval to operate will uh, get teacher candidates, quote, to embrace and encourage progressive viewpoints and perspectives. This is surely the intrusion of a socio-political ideology on the education system, the public education system of Illinois. And your goal in the survey was to see just how do ordinary Illinois citizens feel about this, quite frankly, uh, progressive ideological stipulation on the training of all teachers. And so you went out and, and you did your survey of, of Illinois voters, or Illinois citizens, I, I should say. And why don't we start going straight to some of the findings that you had. The first chart in your study is on the social studies curriculum. You asked, should teachers do a sort of critical presentation of the founding, the documents, and its history, or should they emphasize progressive viewpoints on all of that material, and social justice as well? What came up in your findings? Well, what we're finding is that um, we asked a few questions along these lines. Um, 57% of the people of Illinois answered that the focus ought to be on making teachers better equipped to help students develop core skills and competencies compared to 34% who thought that teacher training programs should prioritize progressive viewpoints and social advocacy. And I, I hasten to add that this is a careful survey, uh, 800 citizens of Illinois, and we were very careful to make sure that it was balanced and fair. In fact, the response rate was higher um, for um, people who self-identify as Democrats than as Republicans. Um, let's just say, um, by party affiliation, 24%, 25% were Republican, 39% Democrat, 27% independent or third party, um, about 9% said unsure. Um, majority of these people identified that they had voted for uh, Joe Biden. Um, and you know, all in all, what we're doing here is getting a very, very good sense of um, the voice of the people. And uh, I venture to say that Vox Populi is not always Vox Dei, not always the voice of God, but woe unto us if we don't care about what the people who raise children and work the jobs believe, if elites are oblivious to their experiences and concerns. They may well know better than the elites. Michael, I have to say that while the majority of Illinois citizens were against the progressivist indoctrination, I'm, I'm frankly concerned, worried, appalled at the number of respondents who said, yes, we got to teach social justice. I mean, what, what rate again gave that a positive? Well, um, let's go to the survey itself. I, I'm going to start with the positive, actually, if I may. I know I'm going to sound like Pollyanna. Um, there was good support, good consensus for balance 
at Illinois University. I'm looking here at the Republican Democrat, but um, 79% uh, versus 64% argued that there ought to be a balance of conservative and liberal viewpoints. They were fierce anti-Semitism and the use of public funding. Well, well I'm thinking here, I'm, I'm looking at one of the charts where you talk about the social studies curriculum, and 33%, one-third of Democrats believed that social studies should, quote, encourage students to advocate for social justice causes. I mean, this, this, is, this is proselytizing. It is frank indoctrination. I mean, one-third of Democrats, and actually of all respondents, nearly one in four of, of all respondents. And you, you, did you, when you looked at this, I mean, while we do have a majority against uh, this, this kind of coercion that would take place in the classroom, uh, how do we get to the point where one-quarter of our citizens want, want fifth graders to understand social studies in this way? We've got a big task in front of us, and we were, are quite frankly, asleep for a long time. Um, the agenda was spelled out long ago. Um, anyone who takes a look at the, um, the writings of Gramsci will see that. He, he called for a, a formative school that would take the child all the way through um, and make that child... Um, capable of um, controlling those who rule. And, and that's, of course, what we're seeing. And the only antidote is to keep pushing um, the kind of solid core training, um, not civic advocacy, but real civic knowledge. What's become all too, all too common in civic education initiatives is to mistake activism, which is so easy to manipulate, for the kind of hard work of understanding the institutions of government, how they developed their strengths, their weaknesses, how one participates meaningfully in a political process. So much easier to do the sloppy socio-political indoctrination. You know, I remember having um, to digress a bit, this argument with a, um, an educator from the uh, University of California system who was just, um, uh, just gushing over a pilot program in which the students had decided that their project would be to get a um, Planned Parenthood clinic in their town. And so I asked her, I said, well, would you have been happy if um, the class instead wanted a right-to-life clinic? And she turned rather pale. And, uh, you know, it, it was just a good example of how the progressive in control is likely to look towards the um, reinforcement of progressive value. Uh, what we are advocating is knowledge, empowering knowledge of the institutions of this nation that make a person an informed and engaged citizen. Now, one of the things that is very clear here is, I mean, maybe the, the general meaning of the poll is this divergence between uh, ordinary American opinion and the opinion of people who run the education systems. 
How did this divergence come about? I would say being asleep at the switch, uh, I, I'm afraid it's a harsh conclusion. Um, but we, we basically turned things over and gave so much emphasis on credentials, even if they were really very weak credentials. Uh, we haven't been vigilant about teacher preparation programs, um, you know, even starting with as basic a thing as looking at what the licensure scores are, the cut points. Very often, they're just laughably weak. So we are, we're qualifying candidates to be teachers, and I, I venture to say these are all people who are earnest, who want to be uh, in the classroom, who want to do a good job. But instead of being fed core knowledge that allows them to be autonomous, independent thinkers, so often these programs, ideologically, very, very skewed. And that produces teachers who are going to be really at sea, just quite unable to distinguish between what is a good curriculum and what is a bad curriculum. Now, again, on a, a happy note of things, uh, we have this extraordinary new textbook that Wilfred McClay has produced, Land of Hope, carefully written, objective, uh, a kind of masterpiece of what an American history textbook should be. The real challenge will be getting school districts to use it. And that's where we, we've got to be vocal and active. Now, I found a, a positive, another positive chart in the document. It's under the heading Views on Prioritizing Diversity in College Admissions. And the options were whether you, uh, whether a respondent agrees that racial diversity should be emphasized even if it means accepting some students with lower grades and test scores, or should people all be treated pretty much the same? Based on, based on merit, even if that results in less racial diversity? In other words, do you favor affirmative action or not? And all respondents, you came up with 63% were in favor of the more objective approach. Only 27% said, nope, we got to go for racial diversity, even if it means double standards. Do you take that as a hopeful sign? I, I do. I think it's an extremely hopeful sign. And we even did some demographic um, analysis, and the plurality of African Americans responded on their preference for merit based admissions. Um, yes, indeed. And independence, um, we broke it down, of course, by, um, by uh, political uh, self identification. 89% uh, Republicans, 62% of independents, um, a plurality of Democrats at 47%. But there again, we're beginning to see a, a different socio-political agenda. You might, have, you might have noticed in California, the affirmative action initiative failed, and it wasn't even close. Did you see that in November? Yes, yes. And you know, again, I come back to the... Um, a very democratic state. Yeah, that um, you know, people are recognizing the cost of breaking down standards and the fact that it's not going to do anybody any good. We should have all kinds of support programs in place 
so that we can have a, a genuine equal opportunity. But to start weighting the scales is going to be something that will turn around and bite us. Um, I mean, I, 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 um, I, I'm hoping that what we're seeing here will be a very strong wake-up call, um, not just for educators, but also for political leaders. Um, there's great sense in the, um, in the populace. Let's pause for a moment to ask if you are looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium. That's the University of Dallas in Irving, Texas. Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the university offers an exceptional liberal arts education with undergraduate and graduate programs in arts and sciences, business, and ministry, as well as a campus in Rome, Italy, all of them preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Yeah. You know, the police issue is a, is a lightning rod uh, these days, but we came up with another, more surprising figures when you asked about, quote, views on reduction of police presence on college campuses. And the options were, do you think the presence of police officers does more harm than good for students and should therefore be reduced? And, well, what, what did we see on those numbers? Attitudes toward police on campus. We saw eminent good sense um, that the um, large majorities of Republicans, 86%, 65% of independents, 55% of Democrats, um, all believed that campuses should not reduce police presence. Uh, a really interesting, um, sober viewpoint that maybe is conditioned by the fact that people recognize that when the police aren't there, bad things can happen. I did have to note something that I found extraordinary, and uh, that is that when you asked people about the ideological tilt of the college campus, that many, many liberals, many, many, many Democrats believe that there is a conservative dominance at the University of Illinois. Did you note that, uh, that finding? Yeah, I found that kind of um, eccentric. You know, it, it, may be, um, it may be an opportunity for digging a little deeper at another time. Um, I was actually heartened that when asked whether there should be a balance of um, liberal and conservative viewpoints, um, 79% um, of Republicans and 64% of Democrats said yes. So um, I, I, I'm kind of taking that as the, um, as the clearer voice here. Yeah, the, the, one of the options, I mean, the, the biggest option for Democrats on the University of Illinois was it's all fair and balanced. Uh, and one can only say that most of those people haven't been uh, on, on, on the campus of a, <laughs> a major public university in order to believe that. Okay, uh, you asked also about free speech issues. And one chart, it's headed, Views on Efforts to Prevent Speakers from Expressing Offensive Viewpoints. And the question was, Efforts to Prevent Speakers from Expressing Opinions that Some Members of the Campus Find Offensive. So if some people find a campus speaker offensive, uh, should you oppose that speaker being able to speak, support it, or unsure? What came up in that finding? What we saw there 
was 59% oppose efforts to prevent speakers. And that's a lot lower than I would like to see. Um, there again, the kind of a, um, of a split in um, response according to political uh, affiliation. Um, 72% of Republicans said that that is outrageous. 63% of independents and 49% of Democrats. Obviously, we need to get closer to 100% for everybody on that, or we're looking towards a monoculture of a campus with all of the attendant damage. Now, what was good was that um, a number of, a rather high number of respondents recognized that they're beginning to self-censor, that they're deep into self-censorship. And that was pretty much the same for um, both Republicans and Democrats. And overall, the consensus on free speech was, I would say, relatively high. And, you know, there again, we've got work to do. We've got work to do to get everybody recognizing that this is something, regardless of political affiliation, it's going to affect all of us in the long run. What I'm surprised is sort of the number of people who have accommodated themselves to forms of self-censorship, and you know they've kind of softened it into, well, it's just about being ha having good manners. You know, I don't want to offend people. Uh, how do you respond to the? interpretation of self-censorship as just being considerate. This was answered so well on, in the C. Van Woodward report of 1974. And I really hope every trustee, every president will read and reread that. That uh, civility and sensitivity to others' feelings are surely important values. But the university preeminently, and we could take that into the political sphere, um, is a place where honesty and uh, free expression must be the dominant virtue if we're going to progress. And any time that, that gets eroded, as it so often does in the various forms of canceling that go all the way from college to the corporation, we are putting ourselves in a position where we will eliminate that engine of progress that comes from the fearlessness of expressing opinions. And colleges ought to be the leaders in protecting that, as Steve Van Woodward argued so eloquently back in 1974. But sadly, they've become, in fact, corruptors. Right, right. As the plans to politicize teachers and the curriculum in K-12, if this culturally sensitive, responsive uh, requirement goes through and makes its way to the classroom, do you predict a strong backlash or perhaps a, a weak backlash that won't stop the momentum? That really comes back to us in making sure in a fair and honest way that people recognize what's at stake. Every one of us wants to 
be kind to other people. I should say everybody among us should want to be kind to everyone. It's what we're taught in church, in synagogue. Um, these are important values. But the ability to look honestly and openly at issues has to be a, uh, has to take precedence over that. And let's get back to what the role of the education system is. It's not set up to preach a particular set of values. It's there to teach skills and knowledge that enable autonomy, independence of thought, being a citizen of a free society. And we've got to make sure that people recognize that when uh, you have an initiative that for a, moment, for a while was being absolutely straightforward in saying this is going to be a, um, a, a way of embracing and encouraging progressive viewpoints that we're no longer educating, we're indoctrinating. And taxpayers, parents, should be absolutely clear that that is utterly unacceptable. There is an interesting turn that you find that I think for a long time people were unaware of, but they're gradually coming to realize. Uh, you do have a question about views on the meaning of fighting racism, and it really comes down to the issue of equality versus equal outcomes. Uh, equality of opportunity versus equity. Are people realizing that equality and equity are not the same? This was one of the more disturbing findings of the, um, of the survey. That, again, if we break it down by um, party affiliation, we're seeing a huge split on 74% of the Republicans who answered um, went for equality of opportunity, uh, and only 28% of the Democratic respondents um, took that position. Yeah, let, let me, M Michael, let me, let me mention how extreme your option was. Fighting racism means using government to make sure that people all races have equal outcomes, including the same average salaries, equal employment rates and equal acceptance rates at colleges. And that 62% of Democrats agreed with that. I mean, this is, this is a form of intrusion. Don't they understand that this is a kind of social engineering to an exponential level, ensuring equal salaries everywhere? I mean, the machinery of the state that would have to guarantee all of this, uh, this, is, this is Leviathan at work. I am truly alarmed by that finding. And, of course, the answer in a free society is that we use all the tools of confronting people with what that means when it's made operational. Of course, we all want to see a level playing field. We want to see human flourishing in all quarters of our commonwealth. But how we get at that, the, the principles of a free society, are things that are so precious. And I'm afraid that when we look, again, getting back to how we got into this mess, when we look at the breakdown in the way we teach the American story, um, that we have allowed this matrix from which that kind of perception can grow, 
that instead of recognizing the tools that make a free society, uh, we've allowed a, um, a socio-political agenda to um, become so dominant. The survey may be found at the ACTA website, which is www.goacta. Is it .com or org, Michael? .org. Okay, very good. Michael Polakoff, thank you for joining us. It's been a real pleasure, Mark. And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.